Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, and with me are... I'm Hai Chen Dui, a pop culture journalist in the Washington, D.C. area and a USA Today contributor. I am Anya Crittenden, an editor and writer for Entertainment Earth News. And I forgot to say who I am. Uh, I am, well, I said who I am, but I'm also a filmmaker in the Washington, D.C. area. So last week, we jumped into things pretty quickly, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. We had a lot of fun recording it, but we thought it'd be better to give you some background on who we are, what we do, what we're interested in. So Willoughby, why don't you tell us about your history with pop culture, what you want to do, what you love about pop culture? I've, I think I've always loved pop culture. I we had a subscription to TV Guide for for the longest time, and I always read it, and I always read like the articles about like the actors and stuff, and I always found that very fascinating. Um, I've always watched movies and television and read books, mostly kids' books while I was growing up, um, like Harry Potter and stuff. Uh, but mo- I was mostly focused on television. Uh, my parents didn't give me a restriction on how many hours of TV to watch a week or a day, <laughs> and that was probably their downfall slash my upbringing. Um, and I really, I mean, I, just, I would just have the TV on all the time, so I was basically, like, osmosising TV on, like, a daily basis for a good 18 years before going to college. And, of course, Star Wars is a big part of your childhood. Yes, it is. Star Wars was a very big part of my childhood. I saw we got the special edition VHSs, in 1997, and my dad sat me down, and we watched A New Hope. And the only thing I really remember from that viewing is watching um, the Battle of Yavin, uh, and that was really exciting and really fun. And that's like the the, the only real memory that I remember uh, truly from that experience. But it, it stuck it stuck with me uh, for nearly 20 years. Um, and awesome. and then I I became a filmmaker. Uh, well, I wanted to become a filmmaker because I, I started watching a lot of the behind-the-scenes that were on the DVDs of every movie that I would purchase or buy or my parents okay, would Okay, but Willoughby, have you seen all the behind-the-scenes for the extended edition of Lord of the Rings? I'm getting to that, Anya. I'm very much getting to that. I oh, was, okay. I, the reason, one of the main reasons I want to become a filmmaker is because I watched every single behind-the-scenes feature on the Lord of the Rings extended editions, and I told myself after viewing all of that, I want to do that. And I fell in love with, like, the the idea of making things, filming things, and, and, like, the camaraderie that is behind a filmmaking crew and cast, and then I wanted to be a part of that. So uh, since, like, eighth grade, I've always wanted to be a filmmaker. And now I went to college for it. Yeah, and that's how we all met. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, HT, what about your history with pop culture and what you love about it so much? So, I actually picked it up a little late because, unlike Willoughby, I didn't have cable as a kid and my parents restricted me to an hour of television a day. Oh my god. And I would use that to watch Pokemon and Sailor Moon. <laughs> Good choices. <laughs> so, I had a big anime upbringing and I also got into like J dramas and stuff, but that's like a whole nother thing because. <laughs> It's a very different culture, the whole, like, Weibo culture. I'll talk about that later. Um, But I really got into pop culture in, like, high school when I started watching Lost, and I fell in love with that show. It was the first American TV show I've always loved, and I will defend its ending to my dying day. I'm with you on that I'm a fan of the ending. Yeah. Are we all in agreement the ending is good? Yes. Yeah. And we, uh, I know it has its detractors, and I know 
everyone's really frustrated with it and it kind of like gets a lot of flack now and people don't want to start it up because they know the ending sucks but i love the ending this is a this is a lost ending loving podcast yeah yes. well and you're not the only one i feel like lost is one of those tv shows that kind of transformed tv culture oh definitely across the board mm -hmm. it made tv like tv viewing event viewing mm -hmm. it was like super bowl for tv everyone had to watch it spoiler culture started there i think well yes the I, modern spoiler yeah spoiler modern culture. <laughs> then there's there's also been the 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 golden age of binge watching, which is very spoiler mm -hmm. culture heavy. Yeah, so high school I started watching like all the I kind of started watching all the IMDb top ten movies, and I got into like Shawshank Redemption, all those things, and I got into Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is also my favorite TV show, and I will probably reference it at some point in every podcast. <laughs> stay right, we'll stay tuned for every Buffy reference ever. Challenge accepted. No, that's the one for this week. So. Yay. Um, and yeah, I just, I went to AU with um, Willoughby and Anya and I took film classes and stuff, but not filmmaking, just like film literature and that thing. So I've always liked books and storytelling. So I love like that kind of analytical aspect. And I wanted to be a film critic actually when I graduated or at some point in my life. That's like my pipe dream. We'll see. <laughs> Hopefully you get to review my movies. Yeah, that's, that's our plan exactly. actually. Yeah. Will be will like make films. I will review them, and then we'll have like this nice partnership. It'll be like the French New Wave, where they're like, "Let's just make films and yeah, then exactly. review them," because we don't like reviewing <laughs> films anymore. Exactly. Subvert them. Yeah. But yeah. That's where I am. And Anya, what about you? Tell us about how you got into pop culture and your love for it. Well, my love for pop culture started before I was born, because my parents met at a Star Trek convention. That's so cute. So, <laughs> it was in my blood. I was destined to become obsessed with pop culture, and indeed I was. Growing up, movies, television, theater, it was all very much a big part of my childhood. Um, and so I grew up loving it. I think the biggest part where I differ from you guys is that the other big love of my life is history. Hmm. And in college, I double majored in history and film studies. So my love of pop culture comes from a cultural, societal, historical background, understanding where movies and television fit in their time period, how they're influenced by the time in which they're made, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'm really interested in sort of academia, journalism, that sort of background of pop culture. So Willoughby will make a film, HT will review it, and I will write a think piece on it. <laughs> Perfect. Societal impact. And, and, and then I'll make a funny tweet about it <laughs> afterwards. So we have a good trio going on here. We got it yeah. down, guys. Yeah. We know. We're going to rule Hollywood in like 20 years. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Or less. Yeah. And, and speaking of history and us ruling Hollywood, we have that biopic that we're going to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't hear about this. What is this? Uh, we're going we're gonna to do the Theodore Roosevelt biography with, uh, uh, with Nick Offerman. Oh, as my God. Teddy Roosevelt. Wait, that's because perfect. At first, like, I don't know, watching Parks and Rec, that was always on my mind. I was just like, Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. And yes. then, And then I've, I read a biography of Teddy Roosevelt in seventh grade for a book report. And I have always wanted to make a movie about Teddy Roosevelt. And Nick Offerman is the perfect choice. I always wanted, like, who could be Teddy Roosevelt in a movie? Because no one looks like that. And then all of a sudden, Parks and Rec, he shows up with a mustache and, like just the perfect 
physique slash like enthusiasm and he 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 could be a rough he could be the rough writer however i do have to mention that the late robin williams did make a really lovely teddy roosevelt in the night of the museum series he was he was very great in that movie Mm-hmm. So we have good. We have one good one, but why not? There's always room for more Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, yeah there haven't been enough actually. No, where are all the Teddy Roosevelt biopics? Uh, waiting in my head. <laughs> all right. Well, you've heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, HT. So, what are we going to be talking about this week? So today, this week, we're talking about fall movies and our most anticipated fall movies. Last week, we did fall TV, and we wanted to do both of them actually in one episode, but thank God we did not because that would last two hours long. Mm -hmm. So, um, I guess I'll start us off. Yeah. My first movie, oh wait, let me open my notes. (laughs) I'm sure we all have notes. I have a very long list. Okay. So the first movie I'm really looking forward to actually is Creed. Oh. Um... This is directed by Ryan Cooler, starring, starring Michael B. Jordan and Sylvester Stallone. It's coming out November 25th. It's a semi-sequel to the Rocky franchise slash spinoff. It's um, about Michael B. Jordan stars as Apollo Creed's son, um, Adonis Creed. They're really going with uh, a theme there. But um, Apollo Creed, if you remember from the first Rocky movie, he was the main competitor. He was the... Um, black boxer who was really, you know, big, really beloved and kind of an icon and stuff and against all odds, Rocky beat him. Um, and he also became the, his unlikely ally and friend in a Rocky Four, which I actually never saw. But um, in that movie, spoilers, he dies in the ring and, you know, Rocky uh, claims vengeance on him and stuff like that. Um, but This movie is about his son, Adonis, who, you know, always shied away from the ring because his father died in it, and all everyone, all of his relatives, like, you shouldn't do it, that's how your father got killed, and that's how you will get killed, but he wants to become a boxer, and he learned fighting, like, on the streets, and he basically seeks out uh, Rocky, who is working in, like, an Italian restaurant now and is long retired, and is like, I want you to help me learn to fight. And it is a great kind of Karate Kid, you know, Mr. Miyagi type <laughs> thing, which I really think is a cool twist on the whole Rocky franchise because it was really in danger of just getting really tired and over and worn out. But this is a really great um, new perspective for it, especially Michael B. Jordan is a rising star, and I love him despite, you know, the terribleness that was Fantastic Four. Not his fault. Not his fault at all. And Ryan Cooler actually directed him in Fruitvale Station. So I'm looking forward to having that very similar tone, kind of very raw and gritty and modern, you know, very yes. having a lot of real um, roots. Yes. So that's my I first agree. And when does that one come out? November 25th. All right. Mm-hmm. So Thanksgiving week. Yeah, fun stuff. It'll be nice and warm Thanksgiving fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Willoughby, what's your choice? Uh, my first choice of fall movies is Bridge of Spies, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg and starring Tom Hanks. Uh, it was also written by, let me pull up who was written it by, Matt Charman and the Coen Brothers. So I'm actually very excited for this movie because I love Cold War thrillers, and I think that Steven Spielberg does an amazing job of, of tension, and I feel like this movie is just going to be full of that. Um, and they've Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg have worked together on previous occasions Catch Me If You Can, The Terminal, um, just a ton of different movies, and I think that they, they're they a really good uh, pairing of actor and director, and I love Steven Spielberg's movies so much. 
Um, for a little background, the uh, for those of you who don't know what the movie's about, um, I'll just read an IMDb summary because I can't really, I'm not as eloquent as HT. Um, in the Cold War, a lawyer, James B. Donovan, recruited by the CIA and involved in, in, into an intense negotiation mission to release in exchange a CIA YouTube spy, pa spy plane pilot, Francis G. Powers, that was arrested alive after his plane was shot down by the Soviet Union during a mission with a KGB intelligence officer, Rudolf Abel, who was arrested for espionage in the U.S. So basically it's going to be like a hostage switch negotiation deal and i think tom hanks is going to do great um i know that they're they've already done like select screenings across the united states um but the movie comes out i think october 16th um and i'm very very excited for it and uh, i love has kind of a biopic fair coming around yeah. this time of year i think last time last his last movie was lincoln i believe right no i think he had something else didn't, didn't he we okay. should google it oh gosh hold, hold on uh, okay it was real like, quick our spielberg history is we're, we're not and we love Spielberg. Spielberg is so great. I feel like these days sometimes Spielberg gets a bad rap, and I think he's, I, I will he, just never get it. He I, said some weird things about superhero movies recently. I don't think it was I don't weird. Think I don't think it was very weird. Yeah. Anya and I, I had a discussion about, about this on Twitter. He <laughs> did. I think Spielberg was completely in the right. I don't. I don't see why people are like freaking out about his words because I feel like he he wasn't saying anything offensive. I completely agree with what he said. Yeah. Uh, I, there's going to be a day when superhero films do not dominate the way they are now. To reiterate, um, Steven Spielberg basically said uh, that superhero sh the superhero genre will not last. It will go the way of the Western, mm -hmm. you know, like every big uh, movie trend. And um, a lot of people took offense at that because, you know, everyone wants something that's at its peak to last at its peak forever. Yeah. But everything has its peaks and falls, and I think everything he was saying was just a cultural ob observation. Yeah, you know? I and I agree with you guys. I think that Steven Spielberg was completely, is completely in the right, that these movies won't last, like, but not to say that they're not going to do well. It just means that there'll be a move. it'll be more, more like how the Western, there's only, like, a couple Westerns a year or every few years, but they're mostly really good movies. Um, True Grit is, is an example of, like, a really good Western that came out recently, um, and I think that uh, superhero movies when when the when not fatigue sets in because I hate that word superhero fatigue but when it's no longer a, a superhero Marvel DC movie every year it'll be like its own thing where it's like the it it, it may not be a, an Oscar pick but it might be like the big one superhero movie of the year or the couple few years you know, like how we get westerns now that are basically a subversion uh, there's a yes. yeah of like the old genre i think it'll be really interesting to see like 10 years from now where we'll get superhero movies that are just completely different from what we expect now and like they are commenta commentating on it yeah. commenting on it sorry and just subverting <laughs> the whole genre and i think that'll be really cool yeah like, I agree. like at some point marvel is going to end their run of like the infinity saga or whatever they're calling it and DC will have their day with their Justice League movies, if those ever get off the ground. <laughs> um, and then we'll see, like, it, I mean, obviously none of this will happen until, like, 2025, but, like, that's probably when the superhero movies are going to be, like, subverting themselves and being different than what they are, but being more than just blockbuster fodder. All right. Yeah. So, did you see Spielberg's last film? Yes, it was Lincoln. I was wrong. Oh. Wow, and Lincoln came out... In 2012. So it's been three years. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, Anya, your turn. All right. Um, so I'm going to do a bit of a double feature because they are somewhat related in uh, topic. So 
I am really looking forward to Free Held, starring Ellen Page and Julianne Moore, which comes out nationwide October 16th. I believe it's in limited release right now. And then on the other side, I'm looking forward to Carol, starring Kate mm-hmm. Blanchett and Rooney Mara, which comes out on November 20th. Both stories are about female relationships, homosexual relationships, queer relationships between women. Free Held is a true story of a domestic partnership. This was before gay marriage was legalized. And Julianne Moore plays a cop who is diagnosed with cancer. And Ellen Page, her domestic partner, cannot get her pension because they are not married. And it's a long, hard battle for them based on a true story. Critics are not being great to it right now. But I know it's a big passion project for Ellen Page. And... I think the heart is going to be there, and I'm really looking forward to it. Carol is about the relationship between Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara, um, an older and a younger woman. Kate Blanchett is married to, I believe, I think he's being played by Michael Chandler. Is that his name? I don't know. I don't know. The one from Friday Night Lights. Oh, I've never seen the show. So. Kyle, Chandler. Kyle, Chandler. Kyle Chandler. Kyle Chandler. Kyle Chandler. Oh, he's great. I, don't know why I love Michael. Kyle Chandler. He's, he plays FBI, every FBI agent in every movie. That's so true. And so it's the relationship between them. Kate Blanchett is married. Rooney Mara is not. And kind of their forbidden love. And I'm, I'm just excited to see these kind of relationships being explored on screen um, in, in bigger releases. Uh, to bigger audiences. I think it's really exciting. Um, And it shows a change of the times. Yeah, rather than just indie films that are on the fringe where you see like, oh, very happy-go-lucky type of gay relationships, these will actually explore the kind of, all aspects of it. With big-name actresses Mm -hmm. who can score audiences. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. This isn't Julianne Moore's first time because she did um, she did play lesbian in The Kids Are All Right. That's true. Yes, which was another good film. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so those two I'm looking forward to. And when do they come out again? Uh, so Free Held is currently in limited release. It comes out nationwide on October 16th next week, and Carol comes out on November 20th. Cool. Alrighty. So mine, my next one is okay. This is an unusual pick for me because I hate horror films. I cannot watch them. I'm, I get scared very easily. But my pick is Crimson Peak, directed by Guillermo del Toro and starring Mia Wasikowska. I said her name, right? Yes. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston. I'm glad you said it. Yeah. And Jessica Chastain. And it's about a naive, innocent wife, played by Wasikowska, um, who gets married to Tom Hiddleston and moves into his really creepy mansion. And he forbids her from going below a certain floor um and of course she probably goes down there and horror ensues and jessica chastain plays tom hiddleston's wife and uh, not wife sorry sister sister, <laughs> sister. whoops <laughs> it gets the trailer makes it look a little weird but yeah there's like probably a weird incestuous thing going on uh but i'm really excited because i love guillermo del toro and his movie um pan's labyrinth which was a spanish language i think yeah. fantasy horror movie it's one of my favorite movies. It's beautiful. And I think that like his visual style is very rarely matched by directors today. Um, at least mainstream directors. Completely agree. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. I think he's one of the best directors right now. Yes. And I'm with you. I'm a baby with horror films. 
I'm going to have to find someone to see this with because I cannot see it alone. But I, I want to so bad because I'm, the cast, the director, it looks great. Yeah. It just I, looks scary. And I think <laughs> that, like, because it's gothic horror, I feel like I can handle it. And it's not, like, slasher or anything like that. And, like, in my, my literary choices, I actually really love gothic horror. Like, Jane Eyre is my favorite book. And I really love that kind of romantic but creepy underpinnings of gothicness underneath. And I like also the kind of Bluebeard vibe that this story has. If you know what Bluebeard yes. is, it's a folktale um, in France that was um, about a nobleman who mysteriously all his wives disappeared. And his new wife, um, he forbids her from going to a certain floor and he gives her the keys to like, all, all the rooms but except... He's like, never use this key. And she uses it, and of course she finds all of his dead wives hanging in a room. And she drops the key, and like, there's, a, there's blood on the key, and that's how he finds out. Yeah. <laughs> so, since you are like me and you don't like horror films, have you heard of the film, I believe it's out now, in limited release, called The Final Girls? I'm actually intrigued by that. I've never heard Same. of it. Same. I've heard of okay, it. Okay, so, Willoughby, you've never heard of it? No. Okay, but so I'm also not, I'm also right. not a fan of horror. To, just to put there in my two cents. Neither. But I'm excited but for Crimson. Crimson. So Grinsman. the final girls is directed by Todd Strauss, and it has uh, Nina Dobrev, Malin Ackerman, um, and it's about this group of kids who goes to see a screening of an old horror film, like an old '80s kind of flasher fic, and they get sucked into the movie. Oh. But they have their 21st century knowledge of both, like, slasher flicks and this one specifically to try and survive the movie. Oh, okay. So it's, so it's, it's kind a of comedy, a... horror, meta-commentary sort of thing. And I'm really curious. I don't think it's going to be, like, outright scary. I've heard reviews from Toronto that say it's more comedy than horror. So kind of along the lines of, like, Cabin in the Woods and Scream, where mm-hmm. everyone is very self Yeah, everyone's like, this is, we're in a horror movie, but not, yeah. not that Let's, And those are the horror movies I like. Yeah. yeah. I like those kind of yeah. meta humor Co- things. I really liked Cabin in the Woods, even though I'm not a fan of horror. Mm-hmm. And I think just because of the script and, like, what they did to subvert the genre mm-hmm. and kind of talk about, like, what they do, like, how horror movies are real in their universe or something. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting how they did that. Um, but I yes, agree. I'm also a big fan of Guillermo del Toro, um, and very much excited for the, his new movie. I really loved Pacific Rim, uh, and I've seen Hellboy. I haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth. I need to get around to doing, doing, doing that, but, uh, I just love his visual style and his, like, his, just his directing is very great. Mm-hmm. Hey, Willoughby, what is your next film? My next film to talk about on this podcast of ours is Steve Jobs. Uh, directed by Danny Boyle and written by Aaron Sorkin of The West Wing and The Newsroom, among others. It stars Michael Fassbender, Kate Winslet, Seth Rogen, and Jeff Daniels as the four main leads. Uh, and it's basically a, um, three long scenes are encompass the entire movie. Oh. And it's uh, one scene before each reveal of a new Apple product that is was like a revolutionary, quote-unquote, of of each like modern design, like the, like the iMac or the iPod or something like that. Um, and kind of, you know, the, the film is split up into, into thirds and the first third is, uh, is all, it's actually filmed all in 16 millimeter. And then the the second half is filmed in 35 millimeter. And then the last, uh, third is filmed in digital, uh, to show the, um, progress of time. 
I actually noticed that in the trailer because mm-hmm. I saw. I remember I pointed it out to you because we saw the trailer together in the theater, and I saw that there's like film grain mm-hmm. over the scenes that took place in like the '80s. Yeah. and I got really excited about that. Yeah, and then I, I researched it later, and it turns out that they filmed the first third in 16 millimeter, the second third in, in uh, 35, and the last third in digital because. Uh, it just like I said earlier to show the progress of time, but I also think that gives it a, an interesting, weird. It's a biopic feel that you don't get mm-hmm. because with biopics they either film it entirely period piece, like and and the the, the sets and the and the clothing is all like in set in the time period it is, but the kind the cameras bad. are usually modern and they use like if like I love I love Lincoln uh, Spielberg's Lincoln, but. You could tell that the cameras are like really fancy, and he's just mm-hmm. go, he, like sweeping shots, mm-hmm. and it's very glossy. Um, and I really love this idea of taking a camera from the time period that they make the movie that the movie set in, and filming it with that because it gives it a more realistic feeling to it. Um, so I'm really excited for that. I also love Aaron Sorkin as a writer. I thought I, I think the newsroom has its problems. Uh. The newsroom has a lot of problems. He has a lot of problems writing female characters, and I completely understand that, um, but I also love his dialogue, like, his back and forth between characters are great, um, I thought the West Wing, is, I love the West Wing, uh, I saw that The one. West Wing is one of the greatest TV accomplishments of all time. Exactly, and I, I, I watched that all during high school, and, like, with my dad and my sister, they they both had seen it before, and they watched it again with me, um, it's just, it was just a great show, and I, I think his writing is solid when it comes to dialogue, and I think that this movie will be very much about the dialogue between these characters and how they interact. I do think that under a good director, who he can be his pretentious preaching can be reined in, mm-hmm. and especially with like Social Network, which was really great dialogue oh, yeah. and beautifully yeah. directed by David Fincher. The two of them are a match made in heaven. Yes, and so I I'm excited. Danny Boyle, Danny does. Boyle, yeah, I like him too. So. I know yes. that wasn't Fincher attached to direct Steve Jobs at some point. Was he? There was a lot of back. He and might forth have between. been. I would believe it because it sounds like a movie that that would be made out of, but uh, that he would do. Um, but I also think that Danny Boyle is great, um, and Michael Fassbender. He doesn't look like Steve Jobs. Like Ashton Kutcher looks like Steve Jobs, or Christian Bale even. Or, but I think that Fassbender is a great actor, and I think that this is one of his first real—not real, but like one of his first main roles that I think is going to garner a lot of attention more than just Oscars because I feel like he's he's known for either doing the super indies like Frank or 12 Years a Slave or other Steve McQueen movies. Um, it is forever a crime that he was not nominated for shame. Yeah. Um, forever a crime. And so I think that this is going to be his, his like one of his first crossover hits um, that will really land with uh, mainstream audiences and Oscar audiences. I fell in love with him in Jane Eyre. Just saying. <laughs> way Bring back, it back. Yeah. Way back when no one knew him, I was like, wow, Rochester's really hot. Who is this guy? And I've always had a big crush on Rochester, so I definitely fell in love with Michael Fassbender, and I've not gone back since. So, HT, are you a Darcy girl? You know what? I'm actually not, because I like the Byronic Hero, and their weird mopiness and brooding and just kind of general anti-social tendencies. Because that is Darcy. <laughs> no wonder you love Batman so much. <laughs> well, Darcy's Darcy's in, like, another book, though. I like the whole Byronic in, like, weird, you know. Yeah, Austin is very different than the mm-hmm. Bronte sisters. Yeah, Bronte's are so depressing. I love it. <laughs> well, I'm a Darcy girl, 
So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Willoughby is a Darcy girl. girl. All right, Anya. All right, so a quick question. Are we including December movies? Yes. I said up and Up until December 25th, or like the end of it. Um, let's... Let's keep all our discussion on Star Wars, though, minimal, so of course, we can do no. like a whole Star Wars. I think, I yeah. think that we should just say right here now, we are all extremely excited about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have an entire we episode are, dedicated to it. We're going to have an episode dedicated to it, so we're not really going to discuss it today, but we are excited for it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Don't mistake like, that. Yeah. <laughs> but there are right. other great movies coming out in December. Yes. Exactly, and I'm going to bring one of them up, because like five of my choices on here are December movies that are not Star Wars, so... <laughs> The first one, limited release on December 25th. I believe it's nationwide on January 8th, but I'm still going to count it because it hits theaters first in December, and that is The Hateful Eight. Uh, I'm so excited for that movie. I knew you'd squeeze that in. So, I am a huge Tarantino girl. We have the same birthday. (laughs) He's hilarious. Because it's so much fun, Jan! (laughs) He gives the so, greatest interviews. Can we title I, the episode that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I love Tarantino. I think he's one of the greatest living directors right now, if not my personal favorite. And I think The Hateful Eight is going to be another great show by him. It has Samuel L. Jackson, Kurt Russell, Tim Roth, Bruce Dern, a lot of other people. Jennifer Jason Lee, don't forget the one Jason female. Lee, there we go. There we go. Yes, the prisoner, I believe, is her name. Yeah, they've people. all got like titles, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kurt Russell is the hangman. He's the one escorting her to be hung, and so it's about these eight strangers who kind of meet up, and they're in this cabin, and there's a blizzard, and I'm sure it's going to have a lot of that great Tarantino dialogue, all those snappy lines. And dark comedy. I'm sure it'll be very violent. (laughs) But Tarantino, I think the thing for me with Tarantino is that when you watch his films, you can clearly see his passion for filmmaking and for movies. And that, to me, is always one of the greatest joys of seeing movies is when you know that the people involved are so excited about this. I will see any Tarantino film, like, day of. He is number one for me. So I cannot wait for The Hateful Eight. It's going to be good. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited that I'm really excited for in this movie, and I'm completely blanking. Sorry? I feel like there's another actor in The Hateful Eight that I'm really excited for. Um, Walter Goggins is in it. Just died. Another um, show I never, I never watched. Well, we're spoiled for it now. Yeah. Thanks. So. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, no. It's uh, Channing Tatum. Oh, my God. Ta- is he Tatum's in it? Wow, he's yes. in every movie. I didn't know he was... Wait, is he... Really? That's yes. so exciting. That's who it is. I really like I his choices lately. Channing Tatum is great, and anyone who dismisses him, I'm just not about that anymore. Yeah. He's a genius comedian. He's saying. so great. Yeah. He's brilliant. I love him. I, and so yeah, I, The Hateful Eight with Channing Tatum. I'm really excited for The Hateful Eight because I love... I think this is going to be Tarantino's bottle episode. Uh, because it all takes place in the one cabin in in the in the middle of a, a, a terrible blizzard, and it's just going to be like cabin fever is going to set in, and all these characters are going to go, you know, at each other with dialogue and violence. And I I think that this is gonna. I love movies that are set in kind of one setting or TV shows that they they do the one their bottle episode and stuff. So I'm I'm very excited for to see what happens to to to, to see an entire movie set in a cabin m- for most of it. 
Agreed. I Agreed. like that this is basically that one sequence in um, Django Unchained. Django, sorry, Django. <laughs> Django Unchained. I can't think right now. Django Unchained that was like their training in the winter, like in the mountains and stuff. And it's like just basically that little sequence. Because yeah. I feel like Tarantino is in a big um, Western phase right now. Yeah, this is his Western period. Mm -hmm. Well, he, this is his... Well, I don't know. Is this considered part of his? Because um, he had he was doing the trilogy of revenge stories. Remember, or like it was in Glorious yeah. Django. And then is this the conclusion of it? It might be. I, I know there so. was another movie in which it was about. Uh, African, right. oh. It was going to be about African American soldiers in World War Two. That kind of was set in the same universe as Inglorious Bastards. I know there's the whole theory of every movie in Tarantino's universe is either set in the in one universe or the movie universe of his of that universe. And um, Spy Kids. Yeah, Spy Kids is. Ever this. forget that Spy Kids is in the same universe? Apparently, I'm like with Machete and stuff with like Danny Trejo. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a whole other discussion. Welcome um, to Hollywood, folks. Um, but I'm excited for just. Uh, all of all of this the entire movie. Agreed. All right, HT. All right. My next one is the Peanuts movie. Ah! Oh, I forgot to write when it's coming out. But it's directed by Steve Martino. Um, and we all remember, like, you know, the Peanuts, Peanuts comic strips, the newspapers, and, you know, the annual Merry Christmas Charlie Brown that they play every year on TV. And the Great Pumpkin and the Thanksgiving episode. Every holiday episode ever. And I'm really excited that they're bringing this to the big screen, and in a way that's... November 6th. November, it's coming out November 6th. But in a way that's, like, um, very in keeping with the visual style, because it's um, 3D, C like, CGI, um, but it looks very much like the hand-drawn... Um, cartoons that we were like very familiar with and I really love that it's just kind of like they literally made those little cartoons 3D and can we talk about the fact that this cast is entirely children and how much they sound like the original character like, I know I they that. sound so Props much like the characters kids. it's so crazy mm -hmm. so Props to those kids. yeah I really like that people are playing with CGI to make it look more hand-drawn uh, especially like the, the Le Petit Prince that's coming out the Little Prince that one looks like a tearjerker, and it also... I'm so excited for that film. Yeah, and I love the visual style of that, too. It looks very much just like little drawings on in the little in the book, so... And uh, to point out another movie that's similar like that, the Lego movie, it's mostly, if not all, CGI, um, but they, they make the Legos look like it's uh, stop motion, mm -hmm. and instead of the more, like, uh, if you guys have ever played any of the Lego video games, mm -hmm. where it's more fluid, like the characters do things that real Legos can't, mm -hmm. Um, and that their their sets of designs are much more uh, realistic or quote, CGI ish, but the Lego Movie everything is a, is a piece of Lego, it's like stucco. And I know that some either some of it was filmed stop motion, if not all of it was CGI. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that there's this growing trend of kids movies that are starting to be more. Um, creative with their com computer generation. We'll go into animation one day for like a whole full podcast, but I love animation and Agreed. everything. Speaking of, do we know when La Petite Prince is coming out? It's next year, I think in like February. Because it says it says 2015, mm -hmm. but what is, is I'm that assuming it's doing like like award or um, festival think, circuits. Yeah, I think that was the French release, and they're not, they're not doing the U.S. release until like next year, tw till 2016. That makes sense because mm -hmm. it's I'm a French movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. So, yeah, All right. Will it be cool? So my next movie, let me pull it up here is uh, Spectre. 
by the new James movie. The James, the new James Bond movie. I can't speak today. This is crazy. <laughs> uh, the new James Bond movie by Sam Mendes, also starring Daniel Craig. Um, it seems to be they're going into a more classic James Bond uh, story with a bad guy organization called Spectre. Um, with uh, I think it's that's from the old movies, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Uh, let me pull up IMDb here for a second. With Christoph Waltz. Waltz! Waltz is in it, and he's playing Blofeld, I believe, right? Oh, I love Christoph Waltz. Is- However, even more than him, my heart is just beating over the idea that Ray Fiennes is now M. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Judy Dench, but Ray Fiennes, I have this weird crush on him. Ray Fiennes is a fine man. Oh, I have a correction. Christoph Waltz is not playing Blofeld, he's playing Franz Oberhauser. Oh. So, um, uh, the, not much is known about what the movie will be about. Uh, it's very cryptic. In fact, that's the first word in the IMDb summary. <laughs> it says, A cryptic message from Bond's past sends him on a trail to uncover a sinister organization. While M battles political forces to keep the Secret Service alive, Bond peels back layers of deceit to reveal the terrible truth behind Spectre. So it really seems like there's going to be like a war on two fronts between James Bond and his and, and Spectre, and then Ray finds his character, M, and like basically like, the hum, uh, it's, it probably won't be humdrum, but he's going to be dealing with politics in, in the British uh, government to keep uh, this um, NI6 going. Because it, if you guys have seen Skyfall, that was a big deal of it, was that they were like, well, we don't need the MI6 anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, that M had a big testimony about why we still need to keep that going. And I think that this movie will be a continuation of that. I love that the Bond films are now actually getting into continuity I think that's a really exciting aspect that they haven't really done before. Mm-hmm. And Skyfall was brilliant. It was Sam beautiful. Mendes. Yeah. It Sam was Mendes so visually beautiful. Gorgeous. Roger Deakins cinematography. I fell in love with that whole I, thing. I, I have decided that every award season I'm going to be that annoying person and just be like, where is Roger Deakins' Oscar? Yeah. Like, every year until he gets one. How does he not have one yet? What else has he done other than uh, Prisoners. Skyfall? Prisoners. He's done uh, most of the Coen, brother, Coen Brothers movies. Oh. Um, and he's done a lot of... He did Sicario. Sicario. Oh, Sicario was beautiful, too. Yeah. And I noticed... I reached, I saw Quantum of Solace on TV the other day, and I realized that compared to Skyfall, it looks like a TV movie. Just because of how beautiful Skyfall was filmed, it, it, it makes every other Bond film pale in comparison to it. Well, and then Casino Royale had a great story. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so you have that great story, the great character of Ava Green, Vespa, Vesper, Vesper. And then Quantum of Solace just kind of is so forgettable. Yeah. And confusing. You know, I find a lot of James Bond movies are forgettable, but I actually really remember Skyfall. That's, I think, and I think Roger Deakins, like, cinematography had a lot to do with it. Yeah. It's very visually stunning and it gets into your head. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like Casino Royale is still my favorite of the Daniel Craig Bonds, but he was so Sky cool falls up there. Yeah. He's so rough, right? Rough and rowdy. And uh, <laughs> Spectre comes out October twenty sixth, twenty fifteen. Oh, also, Leah Seydoux. No, it does it. not. It Wait, comes out in November. That's so weird because IMDb says October twenty sixth, and then it says later on down the road in theaters Thursday, November fifth. Yeah, I believe it's November. Yeah, so. Uh, go with November 6th, because that's a Friday. Mm. So I believe I believe it comes out November 6th. 
Also, we didn't mention that Leah Sedu is in it, who I love. Um, Anya and I have both watched her in uh, La Belle et la Bête, which is the French movie uh, uh, Beauty so. and the Beast. Ah, also another crush. We're weird. <laughs> HT and I have some. Uh, we like those older actors. They look like really gaunt, but their cheekbones are really nice. I love them. HT, all right, all right, all right, rate it in. Rate it in. <laughs> Okay, I'll stop. Um, but yeah, she's great in that, and she's also in like Midnight in Paris, and she was a spy who showed up in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which I, I loved her in that as well, her like short moment. So I'm really looking forward to her breaking big. Um, and also, Monica Bellucci is going to be the, the oldest Bond girl. Ooh. She's 50, and it's going to be really exciting. So James Bond will actually have a woman his age. So... Nice. Nice. Right. All right, guys. Are you ready for laughs? Yes. I am. Then, on December 19th, since I'm sure you will all be seeing Star Wars on December 18th, (laughs) the next day, please go check out Sisters, the new comedy with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. I'm so excited because Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are wonderful. They're just so great together. They're so funny. And I love seeing female-led movies. Uh, They play sisters in the film who have to, I think it's, they have to go back to their childhood home. Um, And chaos ensues. There's a big party. They're trying to kind of get their act together and, you know, harping on each other and being sisters. And who doesn't want to watch Tina Fey and Amy Poehler? I want to watch them every day, honestly. Same. <laughs> same. So I'm real excited for that. It does come out December 18th, same day as Star Wars, but go check it out after you see Star Wars because it's going to be a hoot. I'm excited. I'm very excited. And for it's that. their first movie together since Baby Mama, which was yep. kind of made before they both hit their fame, really. Or like, it was, I think like it was at the height of Tina Fey's fame. In the middle of Dirty Rock in the very beginning of Parks and Rec, I mm. believe. Yeah. So it's good to see them back on the big screen again together. Yeah. Alright, so this is a movie I, I'm going to go see. I wouldn't say I'm like really looking forward to it, but I do want to see it end. Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 2. I, okay, I have, I'm not like a huge fan of the book series. I really like it, like the concepts, but I feel like the writing was a little juvenile. And the movies I think have been kind of hit or miss for me, but I really did like Mockingjay Part 1. It surprised me how much I liked it. It was kind of like really gripping, and Jennifer Lawrence's performance was great, and she, I feel like she finally got out of that weird stoic thing that the directors were making her do, which I, which is part of the character of Katniss as well. But yeah, I'm excited for Mockingjay Part Two. I'm not sure they should have split Mockingjay in two parts because Part, part Two is going to be the bleakest YA movie ever. Um, yeah, but, it's going to be rough. Mm-hmm. Even darker than Harry Potter Part Two. Oh. Harry Potter Part 2 is going to be a cakewalk compared to this. But um, it's directed by Francis Lawrence, um, starring Jennifer Lawrence. No relation. Yeah, no relation. Uh, Josh Hutchinson, Liam Hemsworth. Uh, and it's the fourth and last movie in the Hunger Games series. It's coming out. Don't in- forget Natalie Dormer. Oh, oh, of course. Natalie Dormer. And Woody And Harrelson. Gwendolyn Christie. Gwendolyn Christie, Brianna of Tarth. Um, so November 20th. And yeah, there's going to be tears and. Lots of sadness and lots of Jennifer Lawrence staring into the distance sadly, you know? I have the biggest crush on Jennifer Lawrence. We think we all do. So I'm very excited for any movie she's ever in. Um, Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> We're talking about our crushes a lot today. Yeah. yeah. A very revealing podcast. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we, you wanted to know more about us, so <laughs> know our deepest secrets. <laughs> we like Vincent Cassell. All right. All right. Willoughby. Okay. The next movie that I want to talk about is The Revenant um, mm. by Alejandro Inarritu. Uh, his last movie was Birdman. Uh, and his next one is released, uh, I think, in 2015. Probably a limited release, I believe. I actually have the release date. Yeah. Revenant is December 25th. Great. So it's a Christmas movie. A perfect Christmas movie. Yeah, it's late. So yeah. go check out Movies in the Wood. Yeah. Make them... make. Feel sad about yourself. IMDb's summary of it is, in eighteen in the 1820s, a, frontiers, a frontiersman, Hugh Glass, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, sets out on a path of vengeance against those who left him for dead after a barrel mauling. And those some of them that left him for dead include Tom Hardy and Dom Hall Gleason. Um, Donal. Donal, right, I forgot. Uh, British name. His, his name does Remember not... That beard? His name Donal. is not said the same way it's spelt. Um... You should know Willogby. <laughs> my name has four, my my name has four silent letters, just like Donald Gleason. Um, although he doesn't have an N in it, does he? No, it does. It does. It does. Dominal. Yeah. The way he says it's like tonal with a D. Yeah, Donal. But it's not Donald, but it's Donal. Anyway, so I'm really excited for it because uh, it's uh, directed by Inaritu, who he he did a great job with with Birdman. And uh, Emmanuel Lubezki is doing the cinematography, and he is one of the, like you got you guys love Roger Deakins. I love Roger Deakins, but I think one of my my favorite cinematographer is Lubezki, and I think he did a great job with every Alfonso Cuarón movie except for Harry Potter because um, he didn't do it. Oh. Um, and uh, he his like the whole one take thing with Birdman is stunning and an accomplishment of that is worthy of every. Oscar Cinematography Award ever, and the the coolest thing about this movie is that they filmed it all using natural light. They didn't use any yeah. electricity, to, any lights to make it real. Uh, they just used the sun and the moon and everything in between. Although, that actually did make the movie infamously hard to work on, and it set the production back by like eight months, and went over budget thousands of dollars. And there's actually a Hollywood Reporter article about it saying that the production was a living hell. I'm sure there'll be a, a uh, Heart of Darkness-esque documentary about it in the coming months after the movie's released. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the documentary Hearts of Darkness is uh, the documentary about the making of Apocalypse Now, which is infamously a horrible shoot that, that happened, um, but the movie is great. Made a brilliant movie. Brilliant movie, terrible shooting production, and actually Community made fun of it in their uh, documentary episode. They did. Um, which, it, it, it's just so so funny. Um, but I think that The, the Revenant is going to be amazing. Uh, all the blood, sweat, and tears that probably went into the production will probably show up on screen at some point. <laughs> So the real question is, is this Leo's chance for an Oscar? If it's not, I'm going to eat my hat. You know what? I really thought that he was going to win for Django because he finally became the villain. And that was the one thing he would not do. But now it's he because was. Christoph Waltz was up for supporting actor, not lead actor. He's playing the same role that he did in Inglorious Bastards, too. I mean, I love Waltz, but that was the exact same role. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I think this has Come on, to, Leo. This has to be it. He seems to be doing 
like the most physical action he's done in recent memory, and he he looks terrible. <laughs> he looks like he hasn't had a shower in a decade. In the best way. In the, <laughs> in the best way. And his teeth are, look like they're rotting from the inside out, and it, it, he just looks like he's in in the grime, in the every in the in the shit. And I hope he I hope he wins an Oscar. I love Leo. I hope if he loses that this doesn't break him. <laughs> like like if if Michael Fassbender wins for Steve Jobs against Leonardo DiCaprio's The Revenant, that's going to be crazy. <laughs> or or will Michael Fassbender be up for Macbeth? Is that coming out this it's year? It's coming yes, out yes. on December 4th. Ooh, that's awesome. Which is another movie I'm excited for and Me also too. stunning. I love Macbeth. Ma- uh, Marion Cotillard is in it. Mm-hmm. Both yeah, perfectly cast. As Lady Macbeth. Yeah. Yes. They, the movie just looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for that. Yeah. Um, Lady Macbeth is one of my favorite characters in that play, and I hated the ending that she got. I hope that they give her a better, you know, ending scene. And I so you bet- want them to just change up Shakespeare? Yeah. <laughs> like- make it not, like, off-screen. Like, give Marion Cotillard amazing, like, death scene just so she can, like, sh- you know, well, we blew know, everyone away. We know she can do a shitty death scene <laughs> with the Dark Knight <laughs> yeah, Rises. As long as she doesn't do that, I will be fine. <laughs> oh, that movie. Terrible. What a shame. What a shame. Yep. All right, so since we were talking about crushes, <laughs> this is not the movie that I'm most excited for this fall. However, if we're going to be talking about crushes... Oh, I know what you're talking about. The fact that the love of my life has a movie coming out this fall, I'd be remiss not to mention it. And that would be James McAvoy and Victor Frankenstein. Yes! (laughs) The trailer, the U.S. trailer at least, I don't know about the U.K. trailer, the U.S. trailer is sort of tonally all over the place. I'm not really sure what they're going for tone-wise. Comedy, dark comedy, horror. I don't really know. But I do know that it stars James McAvoy and Victor Frankenstein and Daniel Radcliffe as Igor, Igor, Igor? however you want to pronounce it, Igor, Igor. I, I just know. I just. I always think of Young Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just. I think those two together are gonna make a really fun team, even if the movie around them isn't as good. Um, there are some some really funny moments in the trailer that are sort of Young Frankenstein esque, with kind of them teaming up. And kind of being a buddy film. <laughs> um, so I don't really know what to expect from it yet. The trailer didn't give me like a solid impression of it yet. Um, but James McAvoy's in it. It and looks it looks like they're going to chew up the scenery, which I'm excited for. Gonna, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a fun movie all around. It I'm may so not be cool. a great movie, but it sounds like it's going to be a fun. movie. Exactly, a fun time at the movie theater, and you know, I will, I will literally see anything of James McAvoy. Like, I might talk about other crushes, but James McAvoy is the pinnacle. Do, do you say when it comes out? It is coming out November twenty fifth. Nice, mm. soon. A, sol- a, a solid Thanksgiving movie. Yes, yes. Um, and we must also talk about Daniel Radcliffe's awful ratty wig that he's wearing, oh, yes. and making him look like a young Severus Snape. <laughs> And no one wants to look like a young Severus Snape. No. Well, Daniel Radcliffe pulls it off, I think. <laughs> I'm excited for that movie. I'm also excited for, in the trailer, I think I saw some, like, homoerotic tension going on between them. So, yeah. I... Like, I don't know what kind of tone this movie is going for. There's a lot of things off? happening in the trailer. Is it going to be homoerotic? 
No one knows. It might be both. <laughs> it might be both. <laughs> All of the above. Yeah. So. What is this movie about? Everything. <laughs> Everything. I mean, yeah, it is It is the basic story of Victor Frankenstein bringing his monster to life. Um, and, you know, kind of dealing with the consequences of that. Um, as Jeff Goldblum would say in Jurassic Park, you know, he didn't consider whether you should do this. Life Come finds on, a way. Life uh, finds a way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Alrighty. All right. My next one is... Okay. This one is a movie by a director that I know that some of us have had issues with. But I really love the cast. It is Joy, directed by David O. Russell, starring Jennifer Lawrence again, and again, Robert De Niro and Bradley Cooper. And it's about the... It's actually a biopic by, about the woman who invented the Miracle Mop, which is kind of a strange subject, but, you know, it looks great. I'm... Really excited about Jennifer Lawrence doing a role in which she's not over-the-top crazy or she's not just, like, stoically sad and staring in the distance while shooting a bow and arrow. So I think she's going to do great in it. I want to see her range again because she's just such a great actress. I like so I caught Winter's Bone on TV again, and I was like, man, she was so good in this. And I feel like we don't see her range anymore because she just go, kind of goes crazy in a lot of her recent roles. And... The issues that we've had, that people have, with David O. Russell is that it's kind of gross. Um, he's a terrible person who has allegedly groped his 19-year-old transgender niece. And um, it's kind of rapey. So, and we have the video proof of the way he treated Lily Tomlin. And the fact that George Clooney will never work with him again and wants to punch him in the face. That's not good. Yeah, so... <laughs> And he has, you know, he has his regular cast of characters who seem to regularly like to work with him, so I guess he has some friends, but <laughs> I'm sorry for any David O. Russell fans, but yeah, I, I think this will be good. The trailer, despite my uh, skepticism, gave me chills. I liked it. I'm excited. I really liked uh, Silver Linings Playbook. I didn't really like American Hustle that much. I thought it was too much going on. American Hustle was just an actor's movie. Yeah. It was ridiculous. But I'm really excited for Joy. Uh, I love, like I said earlier, I love Jennifer Lawrence, and I think that this is going to be a great movie for her. That, Like, she seems to always do a blockbuster movie and then a Oscar movie during the year. Yeah, I, I'm going to be the dissenting opinion and say that I probably will not see this film. I feel like American Hustle was my last straw with him. Um, I don't really feel the need American to Russell. see any more David or Russell. I didn't like Silver Linings Playbook as much as everyone else did. You know what? Um, I actually will, will agree with you because I did not like Silver Linings Playbook, Playbook that much I think Emmanuel either. Riva mm. should have won the Oscar for a more that year. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit done with David or Russell. Um, I probably will not see it, but it has a good cast. It really does. <laughs> and they can probably make it work because they're great. Yeah. Uh, okay, so my next movie is The Good Dinosaur, Pixar's uh, second movie of 2015. This is the first time they've ever done two movies in one year. Yeah, it's very unusual. Um, the, good, the Good Dinosaur, for those of you who don't really know, is about um, basically a what if if dinosaurs didn't go extinct, um, either by the asteroid that allegedly hit the Earth and made them all extinct or some other means. But this is basically like 
Uh, I love how you said allegedly hit the Allegedly earth. hit the earth. <laughs> well, we don't know what killed the dinosaurs, okay? You know, things happened back then. We don't know. So it could have been an asteroid. It could have been something aliens. else. It could have been aliens. I'm hoping it's aliens. Aliens. I'm, it, um, <laughs> I'm down. So basically, um, a dinosaur named Arlo. Uh, basically, it's a boy and his dog movie, but the, the boy is a dinosaur and the dog is a human. Oh. Um, the human, they're basically is a caveman, uh, or the ch- child of a caveman. Uh, Arlo names him Spot, uh, which is just kind of more furthering the boy and his dog uh, metaphor. And they basically go on a journey together to find themselves and discover more about the, uh, the and world. And you want to know they- why? Because Disney Pixar is, once again, hurting our emotions they're going by taking to- Arlo's dad away. They're going to break our hearts! It looks beautiful. I am probably going to cry. I cried in the trailer. Right, same. <laughs> It's so beautiful. And it looks stunning. It looks like the greatest animation they've done yet. You know, I think it's funny. The dinosaurs and the people themselves are very cartoony, but the background background is beautiful. It's just like so detailed. It's photorealistic. Yeah. Also, props to Pixar for making the T-Rexes not the villains. Mm -hmm. Yay! Instead, they become the friends of Arlo and Spot. Yay! Yay for subverting dinosaur stereotypes! (laughs) T-Rexes, fighting dinosaur stereotypes since 1993, I think. Yeah. That's when Jurassic Park So yes, I'm very excited for The Good Dinosaur, and I believe it comes out in late November. I could be wrong on that. Hold on. Uh, release date says November 25th. So also, Thanksgiving's going to be crowded. Yeah, Thanksgiving is a big time for movies. So yeah. Alright, so only got a couple more, but the one I want to talk about is a film that I think has been a long time coming, and a film that has been receiving some criticism, rightly so, but I'm still excited for, and that would be Suffragette. The oh. movie about the... Women's Right to Vote in the UK, uh, directed by Sarah Gavron, I believe that's her last name. It stars Meryl Streep, Carrie Mulligan, Helena Bonham Carter, uh, Ramona Garay, Ben Wishaw, Brendan Gleeson, Donald Gleeson's dad. Yeah. Um, are they related? Oh my god, I did not know that. You didn't know that? Yeah. No. They are! Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, they were, and they were both in Harry Potter. Oh my god, they were. Not playing related. Um, Mad-Eye Booty. No. <laughs> yep. Wait, what? Gleason was Matt. Uh, was Matt I Moody? Yeah. And then. And then Donal was Bill yes, Weasley. Okay. For some reason, you said Matt I Moody, and I was for some reason picturing Jim Broadbent as Slughorn, and I was like, that wasn't. Gleason. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Too many English actors; they're all over the place. Um, so you know, it's been receiving some criticism. There were those extremely tone deaf T-shirts that the cast wore for a photo shoot recently, um, and the fact that the cast is entirely white. I'm not really sure if this movie sort of brings in women of color. Um, So there are some problems with kind of the movie's intersectionality of feminism. And, you know, it focuses mostly on white women and their right to vote. Um, So there are some criticisms that are completely justified. But I'm still looking forward to this movie. I love seeing women coming into the spotlight more um, and the fact that it has a female director which is something that is I don't I do not well I know why there are so few female directors in Hollywood because of the rampant sexism but it is still extremely frustrating and so to see a movie about women directed by women 
despite its flaws, I am extremely excited to see it. Cast I want great. to feel inspired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the cast is great, too. And surprisingly, we haven't had any movies on the su- women's suffrage movement, I don't think. Not probably the big ones, maybe some TV movies. Yeah, I don't think yeah. we've had any big ones. So. And this one is about the British suffrage movement. Yes. Um, Not the American one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Um, and then, did you guys hear about the the premiere of the movie? Mm-mm. No. So there were protesters. Really? Some protesters, yeah. Um, just about the fact that they're, you know, I don't know if they were from a specific organization, but they kind of went onto the red carpet and lied down. Ooh. Um, Was it, like, the Black Lives Matter protesters, or just, like... I don't know. I don't believe so. I don't know. Um, But a lot of the stars of the movie were interviewed on the red carpet about that, and to their credit, a lot of them were very, were expressed kind of respect for the protesters, and said, you know, like, yeah, this is what this movie is meant to do, and we are extremely, you know, happy that they were here and continuing to fight. So, yeah, that was pretty cool to see. Hmm. So, yeah. All right. Um, so my last movie is uh, kind of in the line of representation and everything. It's The Danish Girl, starring, starring Eddie Redmayne and Alicia Vikander, um, and it's directed by... Uh, Tom Hooper, who I think... He did Les Mis. He did Les Mis, so he's a big... And um, The King's Speech. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's a big like prestige movie director. Um, and this is Eddie Redmayne's, again, like big Oscar kind of bid with last year being my, The Theory of Everything and this year being The Danish Girl, where he plays a um, transgender woman, um, kind of one of the first transgender women, I think the first one to get uh, surgery, actually. Um, yeah, I think that's the story. Mm-hmm. And Alicia Vikander plays his wife, or her wife. Um, and, yeah, it's it seems really interesting. I know that there was, like, some some controversy, I guess, with not really controversy, but, like, Alicia Vikander was being, being put in for, like, supporting actress um, for Oscar rather than lead actress, which apparently a lot of people are saying she is. Oh, um, interesting. I hadn't heard that. I've heard mostly the uh, the idea of putting... Eddie Redmayne in the role instead of a trans actress. Yeah, I think I've heard about some of that too, um, which is problematic as well. But Eddie Redmayne is a great actor, and I think he, is. he will be good in this. I'm actually, I'm like mildly excited for this because I'm always kind of skeptical of Oscar season and all the biopics that happen, um, and especially prestige picks, which end up kind of looking the same after a while to me. I was kind of angry last year when both Imitation Game and Theory of Everything got <laughs> spots for Best Picture when they're very similar movies, like, but I think it's because the leading ones were so different and so great. And there are so many biopics here. There's also the Trumbo with Brian Cranston, mm-hmm. which is about Hollywood, though Hollywood's sure to love it. Hollywood's gonna eat that up! Yep. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this. I'm more excited for his Fantastic Beasts movie, actually, coming out, but this is gonna be great, I think. I think Eddie Redmayne will put in a great performance, you know, erase everyone's memory of his performance in Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my last film. All right. Wow. I, I'm actually out of movies, so we can move on to Anya. All right. I, I only have, I wanted to mention two, quickly, not focusing on them a lot, um, but two dramas that I'm really looking forward to, which is Spotlight, 
uh, by Tom McCarthy with Rachel McAdams, Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, Leah Schreiber. It's about um, the Catholic Church sex scandal and kind of these journalists who try to expose it. Um, I love Rachel McAdams. I love the whole cast, really. And I, I like those good dramas when heard, they're well done. I heard it's supposed to be the best journalism movie since All the President's Men. Yeah, I've heard it's better than Truth, the um, Robert Redford, Kate Blanchett one that's coming out as well. Oh, yeah. I'm always skeptical so. when they throw that, when they throw that comp, like, that uh, praise for a journalism movie, because, like, there have been good journalism movies since All the President's Men. I'm yeah, yeah. Say. that's true. Um, but I'm excited for Spotlight. And then the other one I'm actually really curious about, By the Sea, Angelina Jolie's uh, next movie. She's going to be a director, and it stars both her and Brad Pitt. Oh, about oh. A, a married couple who go to France. I think it's from the seventies, and they're kind of they're having trouble with their marriage, and it's very much like a focused, character-driven drama. And Melanie Laurent is also in it, and I love her. She hasn't been doing enough lately, so I'm excited to see how that does and how Angelina Jolie is as director on this movie. So, yeah. Okay, so that wraps up our fall movie preview. But I hope you all. I hope you all have your picks too. Yeah, I hope you all enjoy it. I hope you have your thoughts, and if you know we introduce you to any movies, just uh, let us know. Um, we're gonna move into our love hate segment of the week. Why don't you go first, Willoughby? Uh, okay. So, uh, I am very excited because I got a vinyl record player for my birthday yesterday. So I'm very excited to start collecting records on uh, for soundtracks and for bands that I really enjoy uh, on vinyl because I've always kind of for the past couple months now I've been wanting to get like a vinyl record player and start like being that you know being like a collector of records. Um, so uh, I asked one for my birthday and I got it and I got a couple uh, soundtracks and, and albums uh, along with it. I got. The Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. Uh, nice. And my mom has this great quote where she heard me listening to it, and she said, this isn't a soundtrack to a movie. This is a soundtrack to my life. Aww. Because uh, she grew up in college around the same age, uh, same time that all these songs were popular. 80s. So, no, 70s. 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 Oh, nice. so, 70s, yeah. So she really liked that soundtrack. I also got um, Mumford & Sons' first album, Sigh No More. <gasps> nice. Um, it's great on vinyl it sounds so perfect listening like just like reading reading a book and listening to that album is so soothing um and then i also got the garden state soundtrack i'm a big fan of the movie i know it has its problems but i really love the soundtrack uh it has a great collection of artists it's like perfectly curated to the movie zach braff did it uh did the soundtrack like he picked all the songs out of it. It won a Grammy for Best Soundtrack of the Year uh, in 2004, 2005, whenever it was nominated. Um, and they did a re-release of the of the soundtrack on vinyl last year for its 10th year anniversary of the movie. Um, and it's really great. It's like, it's got four sides. It's a two, two uh, vinyl collection of, of the entire soundtrack. Um, and I really love it. So I'm excited to start collecting records. You need to get the uh, Star Wars box set. Yes. All, si all six soundtracks They're re-releasing re the soundtracks on vinyl. I guess they're already out, but I think they either they might either they're doing a new pressing or they're just re-releasing them. Either way, I'm super excited to get them all on vinyl. Oh my god. They're at Entertainment Earth. Are they? Oh. Yep. Ah! Cool. Nice product placement on you. Yeah. Nice, nice <laughs> plug. Nice plug. 
I try. I try. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Anya, what do you love this week? What do you hate to love? What do you love to hate? Or what do you All right. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of things uh, since we last spoke that have come up recently. A lot of things that have been on my mind, including the Marvel announcements, good and bad. However, something happened on Friday that I am extremely excited about, and that's going to be my pick. And it's a love, and it is for the new Coen Brothers movie, Hail Caesar. The trailer hit Friday. It's a movie I have been excited about for quite some time. I've been following this project for a long time now. Um, I'm a big Coen Brothers fan, especially when they do comedies like this. So the storyline is it's old classic Hollywood and one of the big stars played by George Clooney is kidnapped. Classic. <laughs> and Hollywood has to decide what to do. And specifically it's James Brolin. James Brolin. Yes. Mm-hmm. James. No, okay. Josh Brolin. Oh, Josh, Josh Brolin. Brolin. James Brolin no, is, is his father. Uh, I, I'm like having a very weird time with names today, apparently. Yeah. Yes. Josh Brolin. Josh That's Brolin. I thought it was weird. Yeah. Josh Brolin. So he's the one who kind of, um, there's a term for it. I forget what it is, but he has to kind of fix it and find George Clooney and figure out what to do. Um, supporting cast include Ray Fiennes, <laughs> which is awesome because he was great in Grand Budapest Hotel. He's clearly oh. a great comedic actor, so I'm excited to see him. In another comedy role, he's a director. Scarlett Johansson, who is a Hollywood starlet. Channing Tatum. Tatum! Yes! He surprised another... me in that trailer. I was really he's excited. He's playing the role him. he was born to play, which yes. is a 1920s Gene dancer. Kelly. Like yeah, a Gene, Gene Kelly, Kelly type character. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, Tilda Swinton's also in it. Uh, Jonah Hill. So I'm really excited. So it's just about kind of these wacky shenanigans in Hollywood and how to get their star back um, and what to do. It looks hilarious. It looks like classic Coen Brother comedy. And the tr- I'm extremely excited. That comes out in early February, I believe, which is not a great time for movies usually. But there have been some hits, like Kingsman, coming out in February. So make sure you check out Hell Caesar. I'm so excited for it. And I know it really appeals to you because it goes with your whole cultural history love. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice time that HD. <laughs> and, and HD, what is what do you love or hate to love? Or love Will to be hate? is sighing right now because he knows I'm going to talk about something. Oh that, okay. I was debating on talking about something that was more pop culture relevant to this week's news because we had a lot of news. But actually, what I got into this week is a surprising. You fell down the rabbit hole. I fell down the rabbit hole. It's a surprising oh, flashback, but I got back into K-pop. <laughs> <laughs> HT work it. I know. Okay, this is really stereotypical of me because I'm like the one Asian on this group. I had a big like J pop, J drama phase. I actually wasn't that into K pop when it was like the big wave back in like 2009, 2010. I casually liked some of the groups, like mostly the girl groups because they were cooler than the guy groups. <laughs> uh, like, they have legs for days. Um, what happened was, I was actually watching a BuzzFeed video. Stories the always Try start. Guys. The Try Guys. Guys. Yes, I was yes, watching the Try kids. Guys. They're like Korean series. Yes, I love their new series, and I was just watching it, and I was like, oh man, I don't know any of these people anymore. So I was like, I think I'll just like go back, and like, it's 1 a.m., I was like, I think I'll just like watch some old videos, and make my feel so good again. Feel Think back to like high school and college, and I discovered this one band, um, this boy band called Big Bang. And I fell in love 
So I wish you all could see HT right now, by the way, guys. I'm blushing. She's blushing and she can't stop laughing. <laughs> great. Okay. So they're a boy band that's very interesting aesthetic. It's very kind of Final Fantasy meets Lady Gaga on acid. <laughs> what? I loved it. The thing about K-pop is that it's as much about their the songs as it is about the visuals. Like the music videos are always have really high production value and they're like their own little mini movies and they put all their money into it and like doing really elaborate dance sequences and the choreograph choreography often like goes viral and stuff. Like they do like little like, catchy dances that everyone in the country memorizes. And the reason for this is because there's like there's a whole corporation behind K-pop. It's actually owned by like basically two major corporations, YG Entertainment and SM. And like it's kind of got this whole think like Mickey Mouse Club if Mickey Mouse Club owned the entire music industry. Or like oh back in like Motown when everyone was waiting for the next um, group that was manufactured by the industry. It's interesting and like everyone kind of expects it and accepts it because like they're like oh yeah like they train for five seven years as kids and then they come out and, and are announced as a part of a band or part of like a girl group and it's like really fascinating everyone they all have like their types so like there's like the cool guy the leader and like in the in girl groups there's like the cool girl the cute girl and it's it's very weird, it, and they all have like different type of things. Big Bang was originally pitched as the hip hop group, and they've actually taken control of their image more than like any other group has, and they had like this big EDM influence, which is why, um, which is how I got into it. It was like, wow, this music's really turnt, you know? HT, because, <laughs> I was like, HT, we're oh having H turnt right now, so <laughs> and like they all. Are, they're all really beautiful and androgynous. Androgyny is an interesting part of Korean culture as well, and like East Asian culture in general. Because, you know, in music videos here, it's like you're either very masculine or you're like women is like very sexualized. Everyone kind of looks the same in music videos. In like the Korean industry there, the girls and the guys, you can't really tell them apart, except for the girls don't have like tiny booty shorts. Um, <laughs> um, but the guys all like wear makeup and they all look very femme. And it's kind of like this really interesting visual thing that I was really I don't know I don't know if I'm like attracted to them or just like like looking at them because it's just like it's like a painting it's like you whoa <laughs> you don't know what's going on um so their their music videos are insane and really and all their songs that's the one thing about all their songs is they're catchy as hell like you have them stuck in your stuck in your head even if you have no idea what they're saying they always throw in a random English phrase in there so you can sing along. Um, I noticed that, mm -hmm. that they do that in their music videos, and they have them, like, come up on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this song that I really love by Big Bang is called Fantastic Baby. And the chorus is just ba them saying, wow, fantastic baby. Do, 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 do. It's just, like, EDM just starts playing. And then, like, they're, like, on cars. And then there's, like, big rides with masks. And one of them has, like, Skrillex hair. And one of them is in a painting. It's insane. I love it. It's just, like, being on a big, like, fantasy world. I don't know. You should talk about the Marvel actress that shows up in one of oh, the videos. Oh, my gosh. So I was obsessively watching a lot of Big Bang videos over my week. And I was I stumbled on one of their songs called... What song did I send to you? I don't know. I didn't. I, I, I messaged this to Willoughby because Willoughby is a big fan of this actress. Um, let me find it. It was called... 
I'm trying to figure out which actress it is. Tonight. Um, it was it's a song from like 2011. And I was watching it kind of casually, not really paying attention. And guess who shows up? But Chloe Bennett. I knew it. Yes. What? She is an actress on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And she actually had her start in the not Korean, the Chinese pop industry as Chloe Wang. That's actually her real name. And she was a little pop, she was a pop star for, you know, all of five minutes. She had one song, which actually showed up in the Marvel uh, dub smash wars between Agent Carter and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Um, Basically, she's Robin Sparkles, yes. but in real life. Yeah, and she showed up. She was a teenage pop star, yeah. and now she's this badass actress. Yeah, and she showed up in this video. I was like, wait a minute. And it's like, why did you wear all that Korea? You were in China. And she was just like, you know, the girl that they're all in love with at in the music video. Who wouldn't be? Standing at the beach, hair going through her, wind going through her hair, and she's just like, you know, beautiful. She's half Asian, by the way, if you didn't know. Half Chinese, half American. Um, but yeah, it's actually interesting because um, there's not a big market for uh, Asian singers or Asian actors in America. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the Asian American people who want to make it big actually go over to Korea or Japan and become pop stars there. Hmm. And it's a way for them to actually get a following. And they actually get really popular because, you know, they can actually say the English phrases <laughs> um, without, you know, messing it up. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's... It's a weird industry, but I love it, and it's just, like, this big fantasy world that you can escape into, and just, like, nothing is wrong, except <laughs> that they all look the same, but, you know, it's okay. I like the weird group. I'm gonna say that, and, like, my favorite in that group, his name is G-Dragon, and he's the weirdo. He's also the leader of the group, like, the leader. They always they always have one, but he's the weird one, because he has, like, he's, like, like, this tiny little, like, goblin king who wears leather pants and will definitely <laughs> dance around with puppets, you know, like, Jareth, Jareth Goblin King style. Oh, my gosh. And his hair is always, like, really long or, like, really dyed by bright pink. I don't know. I love him. Yes. Well, there you go, guys. K-pop. <laughs> K-pop. I will put some links in, in the... Yes, and we will have links for a lot of things that we discussed today. Yeah, because we, we talked be about sure a separate. lot of movies mm -hmm. and a lot yes. of things that we love. Yes. So, that was our episode for the week. Willoughby, where can they find Millennial Falcon they on can, the internet? They can find our podcast, The Millennial Falcon, at facebook.com. Uh, if you search for The Millennial Falcon, you'll find it. Uh, you can go to Twitter and type in Falcon Podcast, and you'll find us there. Um, and we're also on SoundCloud, uh, The Millennial Falcon. That's where you can listen to these. And we're also on iTunes now, which is great. Uh, subs Download please subscribe. Please rate, review. Tell us what you want to hear from us. Uh, tell us what you like, what you don't like. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just give us a good rating, hopefully. And uh, you can find us on WordPress as well, Millennial Falcon Podcast. Word, uh, dot wordpress.com exactly and Anya where can they find you at home you can find me on twitter at Anya Crittenton I'm on twitter at htranbui and I'm at Willoughby Dots alright fun chatting with you guys yeah this is always fun yeah. thank you so much for tuning in bye bye, bye.